What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You are on the sidelines with the sideline guys. And today I am joined by my esteemed co-host. There's nobody else I'd rather have in this seat when discussing all things in the wild world of MMA. My guy, Sean Negron. How's it going, brother? It's going well. It's going well. I'm getting closer to the end of the year. Um, very excited to be out of the apex and uh, have a nice little fight night in Brazil. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I can't wait to get into that. We also got some news, too. So right off the top, we're also going to dive into some really significant things going on in the legal side of things, uh, which I find particularly interesting uh, in regards to the UFC and the lawsuit between Kung Lee and the powers that motherfucking be. So I'm looking forward to talking about that a little bit. But before we get into that, Right off the top, make sure that if you want to get this awesome content that we're going to keep delivering to you guys, that you're following us at OTS Media Co. on YouTube, as well as OTS Media on all other social media platforms. That way you don't miss any second of all of our great conversations and sometimes random amalgamations of words that we drop on the damn show. But Sean, where can the people find you on your many escapades? Mm, nice word there. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at SeanAgron26 and bsreports.org is my website if you want to ever get involved in sports, media, writing, general, anything. Uh, shoot me a text or a DM, whatever it is, and uh, I'll help you get started. Yes, sir. And he freaking means it. So make sure you reach out if any of that piques your interest. I have reached out many months ago. And I need to get my shit together, goddammit. But I will. I will. That's the new bit on this show. Maybe one day, but I will. But anyway, you can find me at Negron MMA on Twitter as well as on TikTok. And Chris Negron underscore on Instagram if you care to follow me there. But with all the pleasantries out of the way, Sean, I've been eager to talk to you about this. Um, the Court of Appeals have recently denied the UFC's motion to get the class action lawsuit um, off the books. This case is going to trial, baby. And a lot of different things obviously have already happened um, in this world of legalese. So I'm not going to try to bore you too much. If you're interested in some of the particulars, make your, make sure you check out Eric McGracken's coverage. The man is a beast. And a lot of the information I have gotten is through him as well as John S. Nash. So a couple people I just wanted to give some shout outs to off of the top. But Sean, my questions for you is, the big picture here as far as this lawsuit, what is really scary for the UFC is obviously classification of their employees, right? We need to figure out what's going on with that. And specifically the dealings with managers and the roles that athletic commissions play as far as um, allowing uh, environment that doesn't really exist in any other sport as far as having a lot of dominant agents in the same space working for the same organization. Um, so there's a lot of different layers to this, but as far as the the main sort of um, key takeaway I want everyone to sort of feel is like, this is a monumentous moment and there's a lot uh, that could potentially come out of this that can really change the way the UFC operates in the space and MMA as a whole, as far as getting more talent spread out across the wide universe of MMA. But Sean, my question for you is, 
I don't know how much you've looked into this Kung Lee situation, but do you do you think that we're finally going to get some kind of change here? Because genuinely, that's my biggest hope for all of this. Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, do I think there's going to be change? Yes, but not significant enough. I think this breaks the ice on something that has been going on for a long time, but not necessarily um, talked about enough. And I think with this lawsuit now, like you said, going to trial, this will open the door to maybe changing certain things. But I, I want to believe that it's going to, you know, after everything, everything flip-flops and it's going to be a completely different story. But I, I don't know how much uh, things can possibly change um, for the better. And I know like it's hard to explain what I'm trying to say there. I, I feel that it definitely will change in certain aspects because we're going to be shining the light on this on this issue. But I don't know how significant those changes can really be after everything is said and done. But I do think that we're finally having this conversation, which is amazing. Because it's been, you know, I don't even know how many years they've been doing this, but I am, I am eager to see how this whole thing plays out. I was surprised that the, the case is continuing. I thought it was going to get thrown out, to be honest with you. So the fact that we are, that there is already significant evidence to show uh, what 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 this is all about. That I I am I am more eager than ever now to see what what's going to happen. Yeah, man, it's crazy to experience. Obviously, we're big UFC fans, right? So we could be in for a potential shakeup here in the future. I I just wanted to say I'm very happy that this is a clash action lawsuit. So no matter what the results are, everyone is involved, right? Um, from everyone that's fought in the promotion since literally uh, this suit has been started till now. So um, you don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything. And crazy thing is, right, um, I think a big point that should be used uh, by a lot of these lawyers when talking about this is there are current clauses in the contract that prevents <laughs> fighters from literally signing up for legal action, specifically in cases like this. Um, and that was added recently. So um, I think the dog will have its day. I think right now, obviously, momentum's in the right space. I just really hope that this opens some eyes, man. And we the, the world gets to see the truth of what this is, man, because um, this is the biggest untold story in the sport right now, man. And I'm really looking forward if there's any way, like, I, it's my dream to get into this, right? Like, to get to write stories about this and to figure out how I can get on the inside of this story more so. Because um, one of my biggest passions as an MMA fan is just watching, obviously, these people put their lives on the line and the glory that comes with it and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, um, I'm a big fan of these athletes and what they do has bring brought me so much joy in my life. Uh, I want nothing more than for them to be treated in uh, a fair manner. And we're so far from that, um, regardless of how many people have gotten rich fighting in MMA. Uh, we're so far from a fair treatment or a fair uh, balance in the particulars of the way these athletes are getting paid specifically, man. So hope, if anything comes from that, it's a dent in uh, the the years of literal uh, malpractice across any other sport. If you look at any contracts in any other sport, 
I'm sure things have changed since they've gotten CBAs. Uh, the UFC has nothing, right? There's no collective bargaining. None of these athletes have a say in anything. So um, any step towards progress is is a step forward. Uh, but like you said, man, they, they know people in high places. I'm so happy uh, that this thing gets shot down in the Court of Appeals. And buckle in, because this, this could get messy real quick. So who knows? Uh, but if good can come from it for the fighters, I'm happy. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm looking forward to is I do, you know, I know a lot of people don't like Dana and they think that Dana is the UFC, but this goes beyond that. Um, I believe that this needs to be said and it needs to be public for the first time because we think we know about what, you know, uh, revenue and all the stuff that fighters really do get effed over on. And, you know, you don't even realize, like, you think you know, because, you know, you see certain, you know, pictures or you see certain people, you know, talking about it. And obviously, you know, fighter pay and a lot of other stuff like that plays, you know, little parts in it. But this is real. Like, I, I think people aren't paying attention to it enough. And it could either get shot down quickly with, you know, the amount of teams that the UFC probably has had, you know. They probably have like a hand, like a, a full team of lawyers coming in to try to shush this and, and you know, quiet this down. But I'm really hoping that uh, it gets a little ugly here because it needs to. You know, um, UFC has played dirty before, and I think it's time that the fighters can uh, fight back. And uh, I, I am, I am very much looking forward to seeing how this whole thing plays out. I really wish it was more of like a public thing where I could see this, you know, every day on TV, like they have done with other public uh, figures. But I am curious to see how this thing plays out. I'll be looking up for the looking for the updates on this almost, you know, as soon as this thing gets started. Yes, sir. And hopefully I'll be there to provide them. God damn it. That's my plan. Yes. Uh, but it's only right that we switch gears a little bit, right? We get, we find our way. So our first fight of the night, UFC Fight Night Sao Paulo. We've got Caillou Fernandez at plus 120 going up against Mark Diacasey at minus 150. All odds are provided by Best Fight Odds. Sean, I'll let you take the reins on this one. Are you feeling, are you feeling hot on these lightweight prospects? I don't consider Mark... Uh, very much a prospect anymore. He's been around a long time. I still remember, I think it was his debut in, I remember this card because it still upsets me to this day. It was UFC 204 with uh, Bisping and Henderson. And that bothered me that uh, Bisping won that fight because he didn't win that fight. But that's for another day. But I, I don't really consider Mark a prospect in this one and uh it does show like you say that the that the odds have him winning i don't know man i i i like fernandez in this one and i'm gonna pick him um i i saw his recent i think two or three fights in the lfa he's nasty and you know what like i know i'm one of those guys and i say it all the time that mark uh, or ufc veterans come in and you know, guys who have veteran leadership or veteran, you know, uh, presence in the UFC have the upper echelon, the edge in this one. But 
you know what? I think nothing would be better for the Brazilian crowd than to Fernandez come in here and in his first fight, I believe, in his first fight in the UFC to get a nice win over Mark, and I think that's what's going to happen. I love it, man. It's it's rare to see fighters still getting through this path, right? Uh, not a lot of LFA to UFC products these days. It's mostly contender series people filling up these rosters. Uh, but I couldn't agree with you more. I'm a little upset that you you went with this because I agree, man. I'm, I like Fernandez out of Nova Uniao as well. Um, I think obviously his kicks are super dangerous, but the way he works specifically off of clinch breaks against Diakasi, I think is going to be a big key to this fight. I think Diakasi is really live in the grappling, especially early, um, to get takedowns and control time. I'm not exactly sure whether or not, uh, that will last and later on in the fight that gas will start uh, to fade a little bit, but I, I, I think the main reason why I'm picking Fernandez has to be just his work off of the clinch breaks, super aggressive early and often, but I could also see a world where he gets dra dragged out, right? And this fight uh, becomes a little bit of a big brother moment, right? Mark Casey has a bunch of UFC experience, so I won't be surprised that way. And I guess that's why the odds are listed that way, but I'm going with Fernandez as well. Sorry to take your thunder, but too good of a pick in my opinion. And I feel you. I, 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 I was in on Mark, uh, I would say a good four years ago, but I, you know, I haven't been sold on him in a while. And I think he's, a a fun name every time he's thrown in on a card, but I, I think his level of hype has diminished significantly since he first started. And I think this is more of a fight on the way out sort of trajectory for him. Um, even if he wins, I really don't see much of a future in the UFC, you know, beyond this fight for him or maybe a couple more. But Fernandez is a prospect here, and I think he has plenty of time. And I think this this fight is uh, a perfect start for Fernandez to really jumpstart his career. Yes, sir. Next up at straw weight, we have Eduardo Eduardo Mora who is 9-0, coming up against Montserrat Conejo, who is 10-3, Sean's dynasty favorite. It is that time of the year, brother. We got ourselves a Montserrat Ruiz fight. I'm going to throw to you right off the top. How How's the morale going? In, in oh. <laughs> oh, it's it's a little rough. I'm not going to lie to you. because this, But this is also one of those things where uh, Eduardo is uh, nasty. For sure. Um, and I think she's going to be nasty again on Saturday. I just, you know, who knows? Yeah, anything can happen. Anything can happen where anyone can steal the thunder. And it, it, we'll get to the, the fight that hap that's happening next. We, we've, we've seen some updates. I mean, some updates. We've seen some upsets where, you know, when, when I remember when Denise Gomez won uh, in her last fight, that would, that would, shocked everyone you know within 20 seconds so i'd like to believe in monsat ruiz here do i no and i'm gonna pick eduardo but i do believe that there can be a shock in the system to start it off but i if this wasn't happening in brazil i would i think the odds would be a little closer but because eduardo is very hyped up right now and it's in brazil and Montserrat has looked 
not so great in her last two. I think this is a beautiful fight for Eduardo. So I think Eduardo will win. I will lose twice. Oh, I will lose in Dynasty, which will be extremely painful because I'm trying to catch up. But this is only the beginning. I'll take this L now because once Dynasty starts catching up with each other, and we have a bunch of these type of situations. We'll be laughing when we said this was going to happen. So I'm I'm glad I'm getting the nice little, you know, punch in the mouth right here. But I still feel that Montserrat has a decent future in the UFC. And when we picked for her, they, that card was as slim as they get. So <laughs> I'll take it and uh, I'll take it on the chin. And, you know, who knows? Maybe there'll be uh, an upset. Yeah, no, I can't talk too much shit, right? Because we both picked uh, Conejo on that night, so I can't, I can't rub it all in, right? I'm, I was on the same page as you, uh, but definitely comes off as a significantly bad pick for, for both of us. But it's okay. We all have those, right? We all have those moments. Sometimes the vibes uh, outweigh a lot, a lot of things, uh, but that's understandable. To be honest, for me, man, I just got a shout out. I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. Galpau de Luta. The team which Eduardo Mora as well as Jalton Almeida train out of in Brazil. This is the smash factory, right? Everyone's always talking about um, Hamzat being the one that smashes, right? Because that has been his his meme. Uh, but super impressed from her contender series. Uh, just absolute drubbing, man. She... She has that control style grappling. She has super aggressive top um, control rides, but also um, finds ways to leverage damage in a way that is rare to find in the women's division period. But across the sport, like this is a different level of process and ground and pound, in my opinion. And honestly, this is the highest I've been on a woman's straw weight. So, Sean. Uh, that, that number one pick is going to be hard for me to decide in dynasty, man. Cause I love me some Eduardo Mora here and I feel bad for you matchmaking wise, man. Cause <laughs> couldn't be a, a worse bounce back opponent in my opinion. Yeah. I'm going with Eduardo Mora and I think it'll probably be a finish within the first two rounds. For sure. Next up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were ready to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, not you don't want a killer like this uh making their UFC debut. Next up, Angela Hill overkill, baby. Plus 114 coming up against Denise Gomes at minus 121. Gomes coming off obviously a huge knockout victory, big upset in her last fight, looking to build off of that momentum. I'll take the reins on this one. Um, this one, this one kind of kind of freaked me out in prep. I'm gonna be honest because a lot of the intangibles, obviously, you want to lead towards M Mrs. Gomes. Um, last fight, we both didn't pick her. I think a lot of those reasons we laid out are good and still valid. Um, we, although we saw that big knockout performance, um, it's always hard to gauge how much someone has changed or improved in fights like that, right? So. Against a grizzled freaking vet, right? I have a, a ton of respect for Angela Hill and everything she's been able to accomplish in the UFC and outside of it. Um, she has fought nothing but the top competition in her weight class for years at this point, and there's not a lot of women that could say that. This is a this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Give me the underdog. I'm taking Angela Hill. It's not going to be pretty. This is going to be a dog fight, uh, but I've been remarkably surprised by how. 
Angela Hill's late career resurgence is not only marred by her continued um, striking advancements, particularly in the clinch, but also out at range. But most importantly, her cardio base has not only maintained, in my opinion, it's gotten better as she's gotten older. Um, there was a little bit dicey, dicey in the last one. Um, I think it can get dicey here, especially early. Uh, but I think Angela's going to push the pace. Give me Angela Hill. Hmm. You know what? I like I like the way you're thinking, but I, I got to go with, with Denise here. I, I just think knocking out uh getting that that finish in her last fight in 20 seconds and we both picked um we both picked uh what's her name i, I love how yasmin I'm, yeah we both picked yasmin because i think she was 10 and 0 at the time and obviously because i'm mexican she, yasmin is mexican so that's uh, one of the main reasons <laughs> but also because you know it was it was. It seemed like a fight made for Yasmin to win, and the fact that Denise came in there and absolutely, you know, shut her lights out in twenty seconds shocked the world. Basically, I have to take part and believe that there's something more to that. That that wasn't a one night thing. And I like Angela Hill. She's been around a hot minute, but she never really made it in her UFC career. She's got ten wins, thirteen losses. It's never really worked out right uh, yes she's faced the best of the best and i don't consider denise gomez the best of the best i do think though that denise gomez has more to prove here and i feel that she's gonna have this is gonna be an incredible dog fight and i just think that denise can hold on but i do feel angela hill can take it with the fact of the amount of experience she has been through i just feel that when Every time Angela Hill gets in these type of dogfights, she always ends up on the losing end. And I have to believe that that's going to happen one final time here. And I, I honestly believe with this loss, I don't know how much left Angela Hill has left in the tank. And, you know, so that's why I'm going to believe Denise uh, gets another win here. I like it, man. I like it. I like it. We're, we're at odds here. Uh, won't be surprised either way. I just hope we get a good fight and not a quick knockout if my heart is being honest. But next up, we're moving up to the 205-pound division. We've got Vitor Petrino, minus 200, going up against Modestus Bukowskis. Your boy's on point. I got, I don't know if you noticed. Your, boy, your boy's got these pronunciations down-packed. You saw my Better preparation. You saw my preparation earlier. Kanan Krzyzewski is not an easy name uh, <laughs> to fly off the tongue. So I take this very seriously. But as far as my analysis, I also take it pretty seriously. And I love Petrino's game, man. I think he has excellent top control, really good passing, which is rare for this division specifically. Um, cardio base isn't that good, if I'm being honest. And although he is a fucking unit, you can tell the dude's a mountain of a man. Um, I think he's going to have difficulties against matchups with guys like Modestus Bukowskis, where they're a little rangy, right? Veteran guys who know how to um, weather some storms, especially early on. Tip my hand a little. I'm going Modestus Bukowskis here. Give me double underdogs, baby, back-to-back. -back. Um, I've been a real fan of his recent developments in his game. Clearly, in my opinion, someone who got over a lot of those early um, prospect losses, got a, had a bunch of them, right? Obviously, the most big, high-profile one was that loss against 
<clears throat> Khalil Roundtree that got him booted from the UFC, but worked his way right back. I, I love the improvements in his game. If he gets taken down early and controlled big time, I could see him get submitted in the first round. So let me just make that very clear, right? First round is going to be scary. Uh, but I think the further we get in this fight, the, the more it becomes his fight. Give me Modestus Bukowskis. Oh, all right, good. So I'm taking Vitor here. And that's because I when I remember we watched this fight together. at um, It was UFC 290, if I remember correctly. And we both said the same thing, that the gas tank was starting to get there. But obviously he gets the submission win in, in round three. I believe that, and I remember we talked about this, you know, what are we sitting next to each other, that what, what he needs to do is work on cardio and work on his game a little more. I think he's still a little fresh, very new to the UFC, only has whatever, two some fights in there. But... This is tough because I, I think this is going to be one of the closer fights of, of the night. But I do believe Vitor has the upper edge here. And I, I hate, you know, saying that it's because we're in Brazil. You know, he has the blah, 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 blah. But I, I, I am a big fan of Modestus as well. I loved his last fight. And I loved the fight when he had against Tyson Pedro going into Tyson Pedro's house and just dominating. But I do think Vitor is a uh, real deal prospect, and I think he's got his work cut out for him. But if he if he is going to make it, and he's, he is going to be what I think he is, I, I I'm going to go with with Vitor as well. Ooh, and not as well. We're at opposite ends, two fights in a row. This is giving me the scaries, right? I don't think this is going to continue the trend. I'm going to be honest for the rest of the night. But to this oh, early, he... man, to this early, this could be a big card. Well, you're out here, you know, putting it on the MMA doc, but you, you have our names flip-flopped here. So you're confusing me on what's going on. So, you know, you have me you have me wondering who's picking who. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you're you're watching that as I do it, which is efforting the show. You, know, you, get, you get the behind still, the scenes as well. Of course. Well, for some reason, to this day, I still find it amazing that, you know, you could, I can watch what you do on, on the uh on the mma doc on xl like it, it's so amazing like as if i didn't see kelly Rowland and nelly try to text each other on 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 xl and in the music video but you know i i don't know i guess i'm blown away by that but it doesn't it's just me it, maybe it's just me i don't know <laughs> you're good no the problem is i just uh fat fingered this while we were talking and just completely messed up the doc but we will move on <laughs> to an excellent fight that honestly I've been dreading saying because all the shit that I talk about my pronunciation, this one is a rough one. Eliseo Zaleski Dos Santos coming up against Renat Fakradinov. Sean, how you feeling about this welterweight matchup? Wow, I'm I am pretty blown away by how how well you did with the uh, pronunciations there. But uh, this is see, to be honest with you, this is one of the non-closer fights uh to me maybe maybe i'm wrong here but i believe that this is really renat's fight i'd be very very surprised if renat didn't come out with the win here but it's so hard because when i look at renat's last fight against kevin lee kevin lee is such a joke 
to what he was back then. And maybe that's harsh to say, but I look at it as like Kevin Lee came back because of the name and like even when he did against Eagle FC against uh whatever his name is uh oh my lord. I love how I can't remember his name. Um Diego Sanchez. Like Diego Sanchez should have stopped fighting 10 years ago, but like uh, it's hard to believe in Kevin Lee. So when I see Renat come in and just absolutely manhandle Kevin Lee, like I don't know how much of that I want to believe is Renat being that good or Kevin Lee being that bad. But I think Renat is an incredible fighter. Has not lost in over ten or I think ten years. So I I think he's real deal a really nice prospect coming into this, and I'm gonna take Renat. Yeah, man, don't forget about that fight against Brian Battles, and a win that continues yep. to age significantly well. And a loss that ages pretty well for Brian Battle, again, as if you ask me, because that wasn't a knock him down, uh, submit him kind of fight. That was a very close fight uh, where he really was forced to not only rely on his grappling, but was challenged a lot in those phases. So shout out to both of those guys. I think their prospects moving forward is great. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think this fight has some room to be dicey, especially as it goes later on. Um, I want to see, like you said, because obviously we saw that kind of poise under fire against Kevin Lee. I want to see if that still exists here against someone that is known to be dangerous on the feet specifically, how that changes his approach, especially early on. Because if he can continue to be a threat on the feet and be that dialed in, like as soon as the fight starts and put fucking hands on people before he even has to rely on his dominant grappling, man, this guy along that same sort of camp as people like Islam Mahachev. Nobody wants to fucking fight this guy. So shout out to Zaleski for taking this one. I think this is going to prove a lot about both of these guys. And I think it's going to go the distance. I believe it or not. So I, I'm also on the same page as you, brother. We will move on. I put my pick. I was supposed to put my pick at the dock before we even started. So I tipped my hand. I'm going to make sure I don't do that anymore because somebody's watching. But next up. Victor Hugo coming up against big-time favorite Daniel Marcos in his third fight in the UFC. Sean, throwing to you, man. How you feeling? You love to throw to me early. You know what? I like it. You're testing me. I appreciate you doing that. You're making sure that I'm always on my toes and ready. And you know what? This is one of those close fights because I remember watching uh, Victor Hugo in the Contender Series and with that awesome knee bar finish. And because I won, it was on my birthday. So I remember that specifically. But it was, you know, I was I was really happy that he made the, U the UFC. I was I was wondering what what how because he kept saying, I wanted to fight. Just give me a fight now. I'll fight. I'll fight. And. I remember uh, Dana coming out saying, oh, don't worry, we already have a fight for him. And, uh, you know, we have someone in mind. And it's crazy how quickly he's right back in it. This is a... I did not expect this. I did not expect him to get uh, Daniel Marcos right off the rip. So this is going to be very fun. This is so close. Oh, this is this is tough. I'm going to say, hmm, give me, give me Victor Hugo here. Woo! God damn, Sean, I wasn't ready. I wanted to. 
I, I I wanted I wanted to say Daniel Marcos here, but Brazil, baby. <laughs> <That's all>. <laughs> <laughs> but I you know really? I I do think if I had to be realistic, I I think Marcos should get the win here. But I I want to believe I loved what what Victor did in in the contender series fight, and he wants to fight so bad, he loves it so much, and he's just he's so scrappy. And I love fighters like this. So you know what? I think he brings that same energy, especially now he's fighting at home. Give me him. I'll, I'll take him. Hey yo. Yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> hey yo. I'm, I'm I'm so proud of you because goddamn, I didn't even have to do it. But here, you want to hear uh, something freaky? You want to hear something fucking strange, right? For the same reasons that you're loving on Victor Hugo. Daniel Marcos's last fight was on my birthday, so how could I forget ooh. July 22nd? And that's a crazy wow. coincidence right there, but something that I, I loved about watching um, his clear improvement in his time in the UFC is he's getting more comfortable, man. I think yeah, he's someone that really builds in fights, and I think having that comfort, especially now at this stage of his career, man, he's got to feel like he's the vet at this point. And early on, I saw him kind of in some moments where I felt like he had more to give sort of fall to that pressure of the lights to be in a position where I thought he had a little bit more gas to push on the pedal and he just wasn't doing it. Um, I think this is the time where he's able to do that, to really let himself go. The world's against him in Brazil. Why the fuck not? But this is going to be way closer than the odds suggest. So I don't mind your pick at all, man. Uh, But I'm going Daniel Marcos. And I think it's the birthday connection that got us separate on this one. Let's go. I like that. Good. I think this is, yeah, I think this is going to be a really close fight. I don't, I don't, I barely pay attention to the odds like that. You know, I, I think odds like that are really tough for the odds makers to make, especially with guys like Victor Hugo fighting for the first time in the UFC, you know, obviously besides contender series. So I think they kind of go off of what they expect to happen and what they think. And like everybody does, I just feel that Daniel Marco, I didn't, I wasn't too. I wasn't too excited off of his his last fight, and mm-hmm. I don't know if Victor Hugo is coming in as a, this replacement. Like this is originally what they had for him, like I was saying before, because I know he's supposed to fight Daniel Santos, and then Victor Hugo came in, stepped in, and took over for this fight. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Victor Hugo, like I said before, is just so scrappy, he doesn't care who he fights, he just wants to fight, and he's taking this on shorter notice. But I wasn't too sold on. Daniel Marcos's last fight against Davy Grant, and I felt like, like you say, it was a little uncomfortable. Maybe he's starting to find himself there, but I just think Hugo's scrappy, man. I, I don't think anyone's getting knocked out in this one or anything. I think this one will go to decision, but I just feel points wise, Hugo, and you know, I think Hugo can get it done. Yes, sir. I love it. Didn't need to defend it anymore. We've made our cases. We're sure. three with three fights odds now at this point, man. It's uh, the Good. numbers keep growing. Can't wait. This is gonna be a big one for our standings next up at a catch weight of 165 pounds elvis brenner is coming up against kanan krishushki both brazilian on brazilian crime brother it's polha violence that we're in we're in tune for for this one i'm gonna be honest and this is why i threw to you because i wanted to take the reins on this one shuto box diego lima brazil that team is just making some of the most amazing action fighters in the UFC people that are not only dogged push the pace have a nasty uh clinch game and nasty submission skills along with their striking 
but this is a team that you can tell is super close, super um, family oriented in that way, but they're not fucking scared of the moment. These guys are dialed in come fight time. And the fact that you have that across the board with a lot of guys coming up in the UFC right now, and this is has not been an easy road. Don't forget Elvis Brenner had to take it away from Guram Kutadalaze, who I think is an amazing lightweight and still has a great future here in the UFC. So obviously a big upset win in his last one. I think this is going to be a real um, prove it moment for Kanan Krasuski, obviously coming in on last minute notice here after Esteban Rebovics was forced to pull out. But what, what troubles me, obviously I'm going to make sure I say the name here, right? Rivera black team is where he's fighting out of. Um, I don't see many UFC fighters on that list. I don't see uh, many records on that list that look good as far as um, MMA competitions go. So this is a real prove-it moment, and it's very clear. I'm sorry, Kanan. I'm not too familiar with your game, brother. But I'm going with Elvis Brenner to probably do something uh, spectacular and get a finish here. How you feeling, Sean? Uh, Almost identical. I don't want to, like harp on this one because this is this is tough because i hate seeing late second replacements here and i think that's what this is i uh, what you said about elvis and his camp and the team that he has there that gym killers there's a bunch of very well-known names and there's a bunch of guys not a lot of people know about but i think what they're doing is like you said they're doing it right and uh i think this is one of those I don't want to say easier fights because it's late replacement, but I think they had to find someone quickly. Kane is going to come in here and try to, you know, shock the world. Probably if there were odds on this one, would probably have probably the most spread odds here. But uh, I think Elvis makes quick work, uh, to be honest with you, and I'm going to take Elvis in this one. I love it. We're on the same page. I don't have to sweat too much, and I just get to enjoy the violence for what it is. Next up. At 155, the little Bomfine brother, Israel Bomfine, going up against Vinch from Hell Pichel. I'll take the lead on this one too, brother. I think people do not give the credit to Vince Pichel that he deserves. I think he is someone that not only uh, is a grizzled vet at this point in the UFC, but is someone who really does a good job at keeping himself in every fight, no matter what, like no matter how it goes. Um, he He's someone who uses his grappling pretty effectively and has surprising. I don't know how to, how to say this. This is a term of endearment, but he has old man strength in uh, punching exchanges that you can tell uh, he shocks a lot of people uh, because on tape, it doesn't look like, um, He's the most powerful guy or the most striking oriented guy, but seems like he he gives these guys a lot to think about in, all, in pretty much all of his fights, which I think is an X factor here. But I'm I'm just loving the bomb theme energy, right? The the both of these brothers have great games. Losing against Benoit Saint Denis is nothing to be ashamed about. Um, I thought his game plan in that fight was super effective. Um, shout out to my Pokemon nerds out there, but um, my, I, if it was up to me, I think that would be the most like 
the most knowledgeable path to victory is just unfortunate to try to follow that same game plan that Vince Pichel doesn't really have that game as far as kicks from what we have seen. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of top control if he's able to, to, to make an upset here, but I'm riding with the bomb themes, man. I'm tipping my hand early. I don't care. We're in Brazil, baby. Give me a Caprinha. How are you feeling about this one, Sean? I'm definitely taking the Bonfim brothers on both of these fights. I don't care if I tip my hand there, too. I, I think both of these guys are going to have a hell of a night. I love their energy. I really do. Every time I see one of them fight, they support the other. And the fact that now they're you know they're on the same card, this is going to be a such a fun, such a fun night. I think the, the fans will rally around this one. And I... I like this fight for Bonfim. One, because even with the loss of St. Denis, like, like you said, it was still a great fight. But he's been he's looked great all the way through his, obviously, his career, but all the way through until that loss. And even in the fight, I, I wasn't even mad through the rear naked choke loss. Like, he still looked good, you know, just got caught. And I think with, with Vince, I, I haven't seen him win and I don't even know how long it's been two something years he's he's kind of been I don't I don't even know when the last time he's fought it's got to have been like a year and a half by now uh it's been a while and I think this fight is perfectly made for Bonfim to continue to rise through his through, through the ranks here and you know uh continue to push him forward and I think that's exactly what happens it's a perfect fight perfect first fight for the main card I think this is going to get the crowd uh very very electric this is going to be a great fight yeah, he's a winner in his last three of his last four. Lost his last one against Marco Madsen in 2022. So it's been a while. You're right. And I think that should definitely be considered when you're uh, making a pick here. But I won't be surprised, like I mentioned, if um, Vince Pichel puts it on Bonfim and we we get an interesting fight down the, down the stretch. Next up, we've got another spectacular matchup, man. I can't believe... We're not even really in that upper echelon yet, right? As far as the build of this card. And these these matchups keep getting better, man. A stellar fight at middleweight. Hadolfo Vieira, 9-2, and two, going up against Armin Petrosian, who is 8-2. and two. Dead even odds, right? Dead even odds. Oh, yeah. I think this is, um, honestly, was a surprise when I saw this. And we both agreed that we felt differently on this one. But I'm going to ride three in a row. I'm going to take the lead on this one to keep you on your toes, Sean. It's funny that we both agree we're not sure which side of the um, – we're not sure why the odds read the way they do because we have a pretty good read. But I still don't know who you're going with. I'm going with Armin Petrosian in this one. I'm a fan of both of these guys. I just think it's really unfortunate that Adolfo Vieira started this path in MMA as late as he did. I think – his heyday in uh, submission grappling and his what he was able to accomplish there, super impressive. Uh, the dude is a freaking unit and obviously super live to get a finish early and often uh, with those submissions. But I just feel like Armin Petrosian is way too smooth on the outside, and we've seen Hadolfo Vieira really fall apart um, the longer these fights go, but also with people who are willing um, to keep him to be boring for the sake of winning the fight and i know a lot of people don't like that right people honestly get upset when a lot of fighters 
are being more strategic, especially in striking battles. But I think Armin Petrosian tends to do the right things uh, when positioning himself around the cage. So I, I don't really see, unless he ends up getting a sneaky shot in the middle of the cage, I don't really see a path to uh, constant grappling here for Rodolfo Vieira. Obviously, if he's able to... <laughs> Uh, get into those phases. We're going to have some problems. Um, I just think the way Petrosian fights really leads him to a slow starting fight, uh, but one that should ramp up and, and end up with a finish come round three. So give me Armin Petrosian by a ass whooping. If I'm being honest, I think it's going to require a lot of striking moments and moments of disciplining him. Sean, who you got at middleweight? The exact same thing. I think it's um, wow. I think I was surprised that you were gonna actually agree with me on this one. Uh, I thought you were gonna take Vieira on here. I think Armand is gonna roll right through him. To be honest with you, I I kind of trying to think of the fighter that I'm thinking that I'm trying to compare it to, which is not a great comparison, but I feel like it's gonna be one of those type of fights. Um, with uh with Cron Gracie type of situation where it's just so in Cron Gracie's last fight. Uh where it's just you're looking at it going, uh, like this is not what we wanted from Rodolfo here. And uh, you know, it is a little late in the game for him and I think you know, I think people sleep on Armand. I really do. You know, I, I think obviously they've had similar records and they've had a similar career in, in when you go to win loss but I think I think Armand's dangerous man I, I I'm I think Rodolfo's a little hyped up to have such even odds here but I, I think Armand just gonna roll right through him and, and the way he can move around in the cage is gonna be a problem and I, I think Armand to be honest with you I think Armand gets it done round two Yes, sir. I like it. Shout out to my guy, Dwight, just shaking tail in the background. You love to see it. Happiness on a dog is right. only a good sign of the man that he lives with. But next up, <laughs> Kayo Bohayo, one of my favorite names to say in the sport of MMA. Coming up against Abus Magomedov at 185. Sean, please tell me how much you hate Abus Magomedov. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going Abus here because I'm I'm sick of I'm sick of hype fights. I'm so sick of it. And Magomedov came into that Sean Strickland fight, and everyone really they gave him the main event, bro. And this dude went into a 25 minute fight, 25 minute fight, and was gassed after two and a half minutes. He was done, bro. He he couldn't even lift his arms halfway through the first round. And I'm I'm tired of hype fights. And I, I I'm a big fan of, of I call him Chow just because I, I, I don't know why. But I just I, I think his name is Chow for some reason. I always thought that since he started whatever four years ago. So I'm calling him Chow Baralho. I know it's not his name. I know I'm way off and it's horrible. But I'm calling him Chow. And I, I'm I'm a fan of Chow because he has proven to me he's real. He and he's been fantastic since he's coming through, washed through the contender series, and he's been incredible since he since the come up. I know he basically has been a fight night fighter, but I remember him in the um, 
in the the fight Oliveira lost to uh, the uh, Islam fight, and I think I think with, with Chow, I think this he's gonna roll right through Abus. I think he'll have Abus done on the verge of quitting himself by the end of the first round. And I, I, I am not a believer in Avis at all. I think the UFC isn't either. I think uh, they gave out that contract hoping that it would, you know, work out with the hype. And I think now they're just looking to get rid of it. And I think I think Baralho goes right through him, to be honest with you. This is going to be probably the least competitive fight that you could probably see on the card. God damn, you love to see a fighter out of fight nerds just going right through other men. Um, I, I I don't know how to feel about this matchup because of one thing. I don't understand why they hate Abus Magomedov. Like, I'm going to be honest. I thought just given the fact that they gave him a main event the last time out after obviously a spectacular debut performance uh, showed that the UFC was high on him. Kind of surprised that they're matching him up with Kyle Bohio here. Kind of felt like they took that loss personal for whatever reason, because now Sean Strickland is the champ and their PR team is probably having some nightmares. Uh, but I couldn't agree with you more as far as how the actual fight plays out. Kyle Bohio is one of my favorite prospects in MMA. Um, not super flashy, right? Uh, but super dynamic in, in his movements and someone that um, his process also stands out when watching um, fight. And that's important when you're fighting somebody like Abus, who is obviously going to be a huge problem early on. Uh, but as the fight wears on, uh, will tend to fade and Kyle Bohio is someone that has those three tools, right? You can fight at range, you can fight in the clinch, you can fight on the ground, you can fight anywhere, right? So um, I won't be surprised if he lets him work early on the feet and then just entirely um, abandons striking round one and just tries to continue to grapple Abus. I won't be surprised if we see that. Um, I think the main key here is just making sure that he doesn't um, put himself in a position to start fading later in the fight. But from everything I've seen from his cardio base, uh, the dude is a problem, man. And besides the aggressive tats, I haven't really seen anything that gives me reason uh, to question his prospects moving forward. So give me Kayo Bohayo. Next up, at the, in the heavyweight division, the prestigious heavyweight division, I might add, this, this fight does not deserve... To be this high up on this card. I'm just being honest. But Rodrigo Nascimento minus 180 coming up against Don Tail Mays at plus 165. Um, I'll take it because heavyweights are fun guys, right? And I'm I'll probably be the heavyweight of, of the show. So um, I'm gonna say of anyone um that I don't like fighting, this is a hot take right here. Rodrigo Nascimento. Um, I don't get it. I don't get how it's successful, but he is the epitome of my of my eye roll moment where I'm just like heavyweight MMA, right? Where someone like Rodrigo Nascimento, with his very limited skills, and let's be frank here, very unathletic build, uh, can be such a successful fighter in this division, despite not really jumping off the page in any phase. Um, talking a lot of shit here. Obviously, this one feels a little personal at this point. But um, give me Dontel Mays here. I'd love to see 
Fighters, obviously, training out of uh, that team in Albuquerque, I still think, even though it's been a while since we've seen some good prospects, that that is a historic and prestigious gym. And I think um, it ain't an issue to be aligned with John Jones, man. Obviously, unfortunate that he got injured. But anyway, um, we saw the crochet boss, um, Maurice Green, have some success after training in that staple with John Jones and the fact that they were sort of ramping up at the same time. I think it bodes good things for Dante Mays. I think in the grappling, there's some sneaky paths to victory with uh, Dante Mays by submission here. And I know that sounds crazy, right? In Brazil, against the Brazilian, he's going to submit him. Um, this dude has a sneaky submission game. And it's not just... Um, like, he doesn't have a John Jones-type grappling game where he's taking you down, grinding you out, and then putting you in a position to submit you. He has a very opportunist um, submission style, which is really fun to watch. And I think someone who is a little slower, like Rodrigo Nascimento, uh, you could be susceptible to a lot of those sneaky ones. So give me Dante Mays, probably by submission. How you feeling, Sean? That I hate this fight. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. I... I, I'm not high on Dante Mays here, and I don't like Rodrigo at all. I think Rodrigo is the exact opposite of what you would expect from a heavyweight. Doesn't really have that punch power. Hasn't really shown to me that he is elite enough in the submission game for a heavyweight, especially not like the main event uh, fighter. But... Um, I, I just think Dante Mays is kind of like a, I don't even know what you want to call them. Just like, uh, what, what, what's the, what, what do they call just, you know, fighters just throwing on the car. They're just, you know, a bunch of like casual fighters. It's, I, I can't believe I can't think of the acronym that people use. Um, but I, I don't believe in either of these guys really. Uh, I, God, I, I don't like anything here, but you know what? Just to be different from you, give me Rodrigo here. I don't like that pick at all, and I don't like Dante Mays here either. Yeah, same. <laughs> and I, I, I feel like Dante could definitely win it, but I can't believe I'm really going to go with Rodrigo here. God, uh, yeah, give me Rodrigo. I think he can he can get it done. Maybe Dude, he'll have it's not a bad pick at all because that is the quint, quint, quintessential. Ah, oh, fuck. The quintessential. Look at I I'll find my way back no matter what, god damn it. <laughs> Heavyweight Rodrigo Nascimento moment. That is that ex exactly. If he wins, it will be by Nascimento. Like that it will be the, sign <laughs> the signature um fucking stamp that he's left on the UFC and I'm tired of it just like you are. So we will move on to the ray of sunshine, right? From this point oh, yes. forward, this is the drop on Nitro at Six Flags. Where There's no turning back, baby. These last two fights are big time, and I don't get why people hate on this co-main event because, goddamn, Gabriel Bonfim is a huge favorite, minus 549, going up against Nicholas Dalby. Now, we tipped the hand, but I don't agree with these odds at all, and I'm throwing a sprinkle on Nicholas Dalby. I'm letting you know that right now. I think he's someone. Throw that sprinkle. I'm throwing that little sprinkle, baby. He's someone that, uh, like Modestus Bukowskis, knows how to extend a fight, is a veteran in this fight game, and is fucking nasty when it comes down to combination striking and really just, once again, bringing out that dog, baby. You're going you gotta to have to bring out the dogs if you're going to be a Brazilian in Brazil. 
And I think this is a real fraud check potential here, right? We haven't got to see much of Gabriel Bonfim because he's like a fucking assassin in the night, right? He comes into the fight uh, looking bodied up from the socks up and then goes out there and just takes the dude out within uh, the first opening moments of the fight. And then we're, we're all left to sort of figure out um, how it could be this easy. Um, I don't think that's going to last, especially against somebody like Nicholas Dalby. Um, I'm very confident in him winning here. So I know I'm selling the pick a little here, but um, I know I got a little confusing there. I'm going with Bonfim, but this number's a little wide for me. Sean, am I crazy? No, I, I, I think Dalby is nasty. I really do. I, I, I'm going with Bonfim too. I said this before. Um, but Dolby, man, I like Dolby a lot. I kind of feel bad that they, you know, they kind of threw this fight on him because I think you could really build up his, his level of being a prospect as well. I'm, I'm, I like to, I like him a lot. I think he could really, uh, be something special in the UFC. I just think right now, Bonfim is as hyped as they come and he, you know, very, very much deserves it. You know, you have you know the other Bonfim brother also on the card. The fact that Bonfim, this one Gabriel Bonfim hasn't escaped uh, the first round. You know, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be legit. But I do, you know what? I I'll make this prediction here. I think this fight goes into the second round. I do. I believe it. I just believe that Bonfim, the fact that you can add to the resume of having a Von Flu, having a guillotine, having a Darsh choke. That's pretty nasty to start off your, you, you know, your your career. So, of your at least your last four or five. So that's that's pretty pretty fun to to see. I think Bafim will finish him, but I think minus five forty nine is way too high. I think this is like minus two fifty minus three hundred range. But I do think Dolby will take this into the second round. I do think he can get a couple little cracks in there. But, yeah, I think Bonfim takes this one for sure. I think this fight and the next fight will be not making it to the decision for sure. Yes, sir. I like that. I love everything about it, Sean. So we can move on to the biggest one, the biggest fight of the night, our main event, Jailton Almeida coming up against Derek Lewis, obviously, we already laid out the conditions of which these fighters find themselves in the octagon against each other with. But Sean, take the reins, baby. Ooh, I'm glad it's main it. event Sean time, baby. How you feeling about this heavyweight tilt? Uh, First round submission in two minutes. Oh, by Derek Lewis, right? Yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Even with Derek Lewis, uh, maybe probably is riding that six pack again. Um, I think he is uh, very obviously taking this one, oh, I guess, a little bit on shorter notice. It was supposed to be Curtis Blades. That was the fight I was super excited about. Almeida versus Curtis Blades. Two incredible fighters, wrestlers, if you want to call them that. I think this would have been an absolute killer of a fight. I couldn't wait for this one. And as soon as Alme uh, Almeida won last time, oh, my God, I can't believe I, I always freaking forget this dude's name that he beat last time <laughs> but i thought uh that this was the fight to make and then the fact that Derek Lewis stepped in i love that Derek Lewis stepped in because it just shows how much of a badass he really is but you know seeing what almeida did to rosenstrike 
in the in the main event last time he fought, how quickly he rolled right through him. I don't see this being any different. I think Derek Lewis can shock the world like he did to Curtis Blades, where he you know he landed that uppercut while Curtis was going in, and I think it was an uppercut right or a knee, something like that, mm-hmm. and just you know knock Curtis Blades right out. I think this is one of those situations Derek Lewis could do it again. But if I had to guess, that's probably not going to happen again. It's very rare if that happens twice. And I think as soon as Almeida takes him down, Derek's never getting back up. And I think this one will be over early. Oof. Yeah, man. Um, Hard to really look at this matchup any other way. Um, Obviously, I have the first pick here. Uh, so I think it's pretty, uh, pretty unanimously understood where I'm going with this. I probably, you know what? I'm just going to let you guys know. I am picking Jelton Almeida with my number one pick in dynasty. I'm making it right now. I'm, I'm making the pick live as I finalize my fight night picks. Because I can't believe you're going to do Derek Lewis like that and not take him. No, 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 That's no, no. Crazy. Listen, hear me out. I was about to say, because I, although I'm picking Jelton Almeida first in Dynasty, I'm picking Derek Lewis to win here. Now, hear me out. This is the Derek Ooh. Lewis knockout fight. Who does he knock out when he fights uh, fighters in, in the UFC? He knocks out grapplers. He knocks out wrestlers that are trying to get at his legs. Now, I'm going to have an eye on how his conditioning looks in this fight. And... Obviously, uh, came in super shredded for his last one and took fucking uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima's uh, jaw nearly out of the fucking socket with that flying knee right off the rip. Um, If any version of that guy shows up, I'm be even more vindicated to get him at plus 230. I mean, 380 in the matchup of fights that he excels in. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I'm super high on Ajelton. Still picking him first in Dynasty. I think it's very possible and very likely that he does win here. But what scares me about this matchup is Jelton Almeida has shown a doggedness to to get that fucking takedown. And when he has it, he's not letting you go, right? That's all good and well. Do not get me wrong. Uh, but there was some dicey moments in there against Shamil Abdurahimov in his uh, previous fight before Yarazinho. Obviously, better to see against a better striker that he was able to figure things out quicker. But in my opinion, to have a completely dominant wrestling focused game that isn't really built around anything on the feet besides like a long front teep kick which Derek Lewis isn't really going to give much shit about and he's probably going to lie to you about like obviously we've seen him get hurt with some teeps to the body previously but I think he's someone that would rather you throwing stuff like that than uh pushing him back with a jab right like that this is a stylistic um issue in my opinion where I think if Jelton wins, it continues to sell me as a prospect because he is able to recognize the ways in which he needs to transform his game for a specific matchup. I think if he's able to jab and keep Derek Lewis thinking about striking on the feet, the dude is huge. You can't tell me he ain't generating power with strikes out there. Like he is a dangerous fighter. Obviously, you don't want to get in love with being in exchanges with Derek Lewis. But at this stage of his career, in my opinion, the best way to get to him is to make him feel like he has to brawl with you. And obviously that's his goal anyway. But if he feels like he has to brawl with you and you can keep him on the outside, now he has a lot more to deal with. I don't think Jelton Almeida at this point in his career has solidified those range tools 
or those in-between moments before just getting on somebody because goddamn he's been pretty good at getting on people so far in the UFC. So I'm going with Derek Lewis to get the upset here, and it's just matchup dependent. As I said, um, I think this is a terrible matchup, especially on short notice. Air me out, Sean. I can't wait to see your face when it's all over. Then, <laughs> but so wait, you're going? Well, you're going with Derek Lewis, correct? I'm going with Derek Lewis for the head-to-head picks in this matchup, and I'm going with Jelton why? Almeida. Why do you have it like that on the uh, on the? Uh... Because I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to do this. I, I fucking, I, the fact that you keep spoiling the fans right now and letting them know about my picks through this doc. I'm like, you, you know just what? said. <laughs> no, no, no. I picked them for a dynasty, but I put it in the doc as I was going to pick them for the fight to completely throw you off. And I fucking succeeded, baby. I fucking succeeded. I just checked now because I'm waiting to share the screen for the fans. And I'm just seeing, he's saying Derek Lewis, but he has both of Almeida and both of our thing. What mm-hmm. is he talking about? I he's put it in while you were me. talking. I thought you would have noticed. That's why. <laughs> oh, good. And I don't check to see your picks. I just check to wait and see and make sure that we're actually talking about the right fighters and the odds are correct. <laughs> but regardless, I look forward to this one. This is one of, this is like last week or the last, yeah, last week, right? Yeah, last week or two weeks ago when we talked about uh, Hamza and Kamara, where I picked Kamara because I think I just wanted to believe in Kamara one final time. I think Hamzat was going to win, and I kept saying that, and I think that's what happens here. I think Almeida should win, can win, and will win. I wouldn't be surprised if Derek Lewis does come up with some crazy upset knockout, and Almeida's out cold on the floor, but I just feel that Almeida is different than a lot of the other grapplers that Derek Lewis has faced in the past. And Derek Lewis is... Past his prime, to be honest with you, yo, fighting Delima. Come on, man. We both know Delima isn't one of the uh, saving graces of you know people to go. Oh man, yeah, it's gonna be a tough fight for Lewis. I think it's one of those where you hope Del- uh, you hope Derek Lewis can can come back, and he did. And obviously, who the hell expected the flying knee to start off the the Masvidal you know approach uh, and, and the way he did it? I don't think. Delima did either, and that's why it ended so quickly. I think if that fight played out, you know, the five minutes, Derek Lewis might have lost that fight. So I'm not going to believe that Derek Lewis is going to come in with some flying knee again and do it all over again or have any surprises for Almeida that he hasn't seen before. And I think Almeida absolutely washes right through Derek Lewis. I think Derek can land a couple, like like I said about Nicholas Dalby in the last fight, but I think the second Almeida gets him to the ground, it's going to be a really rough night for Derek to ever get up. I know he says, what, you know, I don't, I don't understand why people, you know, have all these things when you're taking out. Just stand right up. Just get up. I don't think he realizes how good Almeida is on the ground, and I think he's in for a long night. Oof, yeah, great, great shouts. I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I just think when he we'll knows, see. when he knows, when he knows that you're diving in on, on his legs no matter what, and you're not trying to stop him from doing that by pushing him back, I'm telling you, man, there's something – that gets unleashed from hell out of Derek Lewis. And I just got to make this very clear, right? You, it's easy to say, hey, look, uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima isn't lighting the world on fire. But he was, if not, I'm not mistaken, like a plus 400 favorite to win that fight. Um, but, I mean, minus 400, excuse me. And similar to this, right? So, once again, this is the Derek Lewis thing. We just talked about the fucking Nascimento thing. 
this is the Derek Lewis thing to knock out grapplers that are fucking so eager uh, to get in, uh, into a position to get them in some top control. Um, I love Jelton as a prospect, and I still firmly agree with you on that. And obviously, I picked him first in Dynasty for a reason. Uh, but with all that being said, I think it's very easy for me to pick Derek Lewis. And hey, it's the it's a little bit of the heart pick, right? You got to have him sometimes. Well, I look forward to watching that one play out because that might be the win I need. Because what do we have? Four or five different five uh, now. Yep. So this, you know, that might that might be you know one to help me take the lead, or you know, if I'm losing to help me get back into it a little bit, or if if, if Derek Lewis comes up with this knockout, man, you better. I would. I, I might do the celebration and send it to you the same way he does. But the freaking, uh, I'll do it. I don't even care because that would be, I wouldn't be surprised, but Hey man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw it in your face or anything, but your, uh, your main event picks have not uh, worked out for you as of late. So I might, I might, I might look over at this one and give you just the eyes. Like, well, you never know. Yeah. At, th- <laughs> at this point, it kind of feels like I'm trying to do it right. If, if the main event picks keep going against me, but I wouldn't mind. Got to make it, got to make the love for the knockout King, baby. Yes. We'll see. Hopefully. Awesome. But, uh, is that what, is that you say that is your first pick? So are we officially on dynasty now? Yes. Yes. I'm so sorry. I'll let you do all of the particulars Ooh. to get us in to our 2023 dynasty draft. The year is wrapping up. We have two months, ladies and gentlemen, two months left. There's a lot of time for things to shift, but obviously once December wraps up, um, once December wraps up, we're going to reset the clock as far as our annual record, but our total record will always be amalgamated. And I will make sure that I make a mention of that once we get into 2024. But Sean, I made my first pick. You got two on the board, baby. How you feeling? Mm. This is tough because I, I want to pick somebody, but I don't want to lose out on another person. <laughs> so, oh man. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to take Gabriel for the first pick. <sighs> okay. I like that. This is this is where the pain really starts to set in. I hate when this happens because there's so many guys I want to take. Pause. And I just yeah, that's crazy. That's actually fucking crazy, bro. That's that's <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> this guy can't help himself. He just has. He's just waiting. Come on, man. <laughs> you're better than this. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I am better than this. <laughs> I know who you're gonna take. You know what? I, I'm. Oh, this is so tough. This is so tough for me. You know what? Oh God! <laughs> Every time I I tell myself, okay, this is nope, don't do it. Okay, no. All right. Um. You only have one left. It to me. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I'm going deep down into this. I had to get add an extra word there. Um, and I'm going to take Eduardo. Fuck! You animal! How could you do this to me? God yeah. damn it! Not who I necessarily uh. wanted at first, but I knew you were going to take her. I had to. I, and I, I, I had to do it. I'm sorry. 
Whew. God, that hurts. It doesn't hurt as much, though, when I see that Renat Fakhratinov is still on the board, baby. That would have been my second pick if I had the second pick. So um, even over the bomb fiend, brother. But where do I go here? This is where things get interesting now because there's a lot of names here that I think could make me regret this moving forward. For sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Like with the performance on the night, but also uh, down the line. So there's a lot of stakes here. Um, God damn. What do I want to do? I don't even know. Uh, clearly, you're taking Rodrigo. So let's just let's just take. Just get yeah. <laughs> if I if I want to guarantee heavyweight W's, it might be the right thing to do uh, for our our dynasty outlook. Uh, but nah, fuck all that. I am <laughs> going to officially make my pick of Israel Bomb. I hate you, Sean. It I is hate your you, turn. I hate you so much right now. I was, I wanted to have the brother connection. You had to do that to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got the bash bros. You ain't getting no bros on me, bro. You ain't getting no bros on me, bro. Wow. I I didn't know you were like that. I didn't know you were going to be like that. (laughs) All right. Hey, all's fair in love and war. And I promise you, I don't plan. I I don't even care if our picks go like this. I think our dynasty means so much more to me. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet they do. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna take. I'll take Baralho for my first one. Who? Chow, baby. I know it's not Chow. <laughs> I got you. Um. Got me thinking out here. Oh, this is so tough. This is a tough one. Om- this is going to be a weird one for me. Mm-hmm. Because it goes against what I did before. Okay. But give I like me this. Daniel Marcos. Wow. I'm, I'm really upset. I'm really upset. All right, buddy. Damn. Yeah, that's that's definitely where I was going next. Uh, so good snipe there. I don't know where to do. God damn it. Um... <laughs> you did this to me. You did. You know what? Unless you want to trade, I'll trade you Daniel Marcos for for Ismael Bonfim right now. Have the first dynasty trade. Oh, mm. it's not a win for me, but I just want the brothers. Okay. I'll let you. Uh, I know Marcos has the bigger upside here, but I will I will make the trade. All right, hear me out here. Why don't we do a two pick trade here? Why don't we do a two pick trade here? I'm not giving you Eduardo trade here. No, no, no. I'm not asking for Eduardo. I'm not asking for Eduardo. Um, if I've relinquished my my eighth pick to you, would you uh, give me Kyle Bohio as well? Nonsense is this? I'm already giving you. Oh, because then you'll be able to pick the obvious next pick, which is oh, not a who, bad who fighter. The obvious one. Tell me who the obvious one is. I mean, based on the way we've picked. Make well. Um, you might as well make the pick so that we have to make the two way trade. Okay, with my eighth pick, I'm going with Armin Petrosian. 
don't know how obvious that was, but it, that's who I was going to pick as well. Yeah, who who did who did you like? Petrino? <sighs> yeah, not really, but <laughs> Hmm. All right. So, what let, what's what's the Let's look at the trade you have here. You yeah, the want, trade will you be... You want Marcos and Chow from me. Yep, for Bomfim and Petrosian. You know what? Fine. I'll be nice and I'll do it. Ooh, I it's love it. It's not a win for me, but I, I, I want to have a dynasty trade in there. We're making history, baby. I need to write this out. Um, this is not a win for me pick. at all, but I'll do it. Okay. Traded on draft night. <laughs> That's right. For Daniel Marcos. I'm writing this out, baby. It's Write only it right. It's only right that history for the is fans correctly. To see. Traded on draft night for oh shit. Let me just copy and paste this four times to make our lives easier. And then we're gonna go traded for Ismael Bonfim. And then we're gonna go. Daniel Marcos traded for this guy. And we're going to go Petrosian traded for that guy. So our final lay of the land goes as follows. Once again, this is just terrible, you guys. I'm sorry. Just forced to effort right in front of you guys. But our picks for the day include Jailton Almeida with my first overall pick. Gabriel Bomfim with Sean's first overall pick. Eduarda Mora, my biggest heartbreak of the night, hands down. Wish we could have gotten those trade talks, but just by your response, I was afraid you were going to not give me the steal of a trade that I think I just made. But my fourth pick, I've got Renat Fakhradinov. And then after the trades are all said and done, you end up with two Bomfim brothers. And I end up with Kayo Bohio as you well. You definitely won the trade, but I just want the Bombfiend Brothers. And I, I want to make history here. Yeah. I love it. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't know that it was a thing that we would even ever consider, right? Because we made the picks, right? <laughs> so you think we want the guys, but it was sometimes it. we steal them from each other. Yes, that is very true. That is very true. So our final rundown, once again, my team has improved with Jailton Almeida, Renat Fakhradinov, Kayo Bahayo, and Daniel Marcos, while Sean's team has improved with Gabriel Bomfim, Eduardo Mora, Ismail Bomfim, and Armin Petrosian. And just like that, Dynasty's wrapped up. Well, the show... know, of course, I'll trade you Eduardo for, for Almeida. Yeah, no, that's not happening, brother. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, we, we had a little magic here today. Um, I could see why someone might do that trade, right? I would argue. No one would do that Hey, trade. let me just make this clear. Let me make this clear. Both of these people are high dynasty commodities, not only because their skills are groundbreaking, but because their divisions suck fucking mm -hmm. terribly. So uh, we'll take it. But all right, Sean. UFC Sao Paulo. I really can't wait for this fight. I love that whenever they go to Brazil, it is Brazil against the world, like all night. Like we're, we're right. gonna, we're gonna make sure that uh, we get Brazilian fighters uh, fighting against anyone else to get any reason to tell people that they're gonna die in front of the fans, right? Like that is the best experience about watching fights in Brazil. 
the threat of violence while committing acts of violence against their countrymen uh, is really what sets apart the Brazilian crowd. Am I crazy for for making that point? Because I I think a lot of people, right, they sugarcoat it, but that's the reality of this shit. I've never seen the Brazilian crowd get ugly in that way. I feel like, uh, let's be honest, Mexican crowds have gotten a lot more messy than Brazilian crowds have. But as far as national pride, uh, Brazil's got it all wrapped up. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with you. I think it's always Brazil against the world every time. Every time that they do these type of cards, uh, and I like that, you know, it gives it gives homage to the Brazilians. Uh, you know, over the last 10 years, a lot of Brazilian fighters have come and gone, who a lot of them, so many, have become champions, and they deserve more Brazilian cards, more uh, recognition, because without Brazilian fighters, there's so many so many uh big fights and big names that get washed through and it would, the ufc would be a completely different landscape so i i i always appreciate the, you know the brazilian fighters who come in and i love that they do the brazil against the world sort of night and that's why i was a little disappointed in the last time it was at brazil because i felt like the fans weren't as loud as i as i expected but i think they're gonna right the ship this time it's gonna be a very loud night and it's gonna be a lot of fun Yes, sir. Please, UFC, if you're listening, do more shit like this, right? Like, get us out of the apex. Let's get to Canada. You could easily replicate this in Canada. Let's let's get to Peru, right? Shout out to shout out to uh, why am I forgetting his name? We just drafted him, Daniel Marcos. Uh, Peruvian MMA uh, continues to shine as of late, and I think the smart thing to do is really nurture these markets early, right? We saw how that's paid off in the long term, not only with Brazil, uh, but so many other places, right? And it, that that list of um, global expansion continues to grow as we uh, continue to watch these fights play out. It's really something special to watch, and it's only possible if you make it happen. So please, UFC. We got a lot going on. We got the fucking uh, class action lawsuit going down. We got a potential PFL boom with this big uh, Francis Ngannou um, arguable split decision loss against Tyson Fury, the best uh, heavyweight boxer in the world. So there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of ways things can boil up. You're already ahead of the pack. Uh, Look behind you and recognize that, hey, there might be some people coming. They might be two miles away, right? Uh, but now is not the time to let your foot off the gas, UFC. Give us what you have shown us you're capable of. And when you're operating like that, I mean, you're already the best show in town as far as what you're able to produce with the fighters you have. Uh, but it can only get better if you are a little more market conscious. I agree. I don't agree about the Fury and the Ghana part, but I agree with the majority of, of everything you just said. But that's just my opinion. I love how you said uh, that's just my opinion. Didn't elaborate at all on what your opinion is on the Ngano situation, but it's okay. I won't. Because I'm in in the minority here of how I feel about Ngano. And I know everyone's just going to come flame me for it. But I, the way I'll ask you this. Can I start here? I'll start here. I want to, I want to set the stage here. My question for you, Sean, do you think, do you think, no, 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 no. I just want to ask this. No flames. I just want to ask. Do you think, that as far as landscapes go, letting go the heavyweight champ because it's Francis Ngannou was the right thing to do. Do you think that's the, on principle as a fight organization that that was the right thing to do? For the UFC, no, 
I don't think it was the right thing to do. Uh, what mm-hmm. or they, what they wanted to do. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're trying to say. Like for Letting him, him was walk. the right thing to do. Yeah, Letting him that walk. was the yeah. right thing to do. Yeah, yes. That for was, the UFC? For the UFC? Not, not for the UFC, for Francis. Obviously, it worked out perfectly because the UFC and Dana really thought mm. he's going to fail. It's going to crumble. No one's ever going to be Conor McGregor. It's just going to be perfect. He's going to look like, you know, egg on his face. It's going to be perfect. And I'm happy that Francis got his bag. What my part was is that I think Francis is a little on the overhyped side. But I do love that he absolutely came in and, and arguably to a lot of people won that fight against Tyson Fury. It brings the MMA community that much closer together because of how embarrassing it's been seeing former MMA vets lose to YouTubers. So seeing like an actual active MMA fighter who was part of the UFC go and fight the best in the world and arguably win, that I love to see. That's that's a moment. I love that. And I hope Nagano continues to get the bag and becomes, you know, one of the best PFL boxers, whatever wherever he goes next. I hope the best for him. I just felt when he was with the UFC and the hype that he's getting at the current moment, I think it's a little overhyped because of how close this fight was compared to what I saw in his UFC career. Um, he obviously became a champion and, and defended the belt. And I'm not taking that away from him. He is one of the greatest heavyweights to ever, ever be. I do feel that there are always going to be some question marks around that, but that's for another day. I just feel I'm, I am happy for him and the lane that he has found and opening the door for so many fighters that it's got to make Dana and all of UFC shaking in their boots right now about, oh, my God, we really, he really opened the door again. I, I I really opened this door with Connor, and now he's just exploding, and so many other fighters are going to do this and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, it definitely opens up free agency as a real possibility for the first time. The UFC kind of monopolized. Like, oh, yeah, you want to be a free agent? Good luck out there. You know, like now fighters can go into free agency and actually consider PFL, consider what Saudi Arabia and all the money that they're bringing into PFL and boxing. You know, there's there's money to throw around now, and that definitely is going to make UFC sweat for sure. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree with you more. And the reason why I asked that question the way I did um, was just to sort of accentuate, like, how we got here. Like, regardless of how I feel about Francis being overrated, I think, and once again, I'm not trying to say anything about you by saying this, but I think the UFC's PR machine plays a big hand. And once again, I'm not trying to generalize how you feel, but they played a big hand in trying to make the audience feel that way about Francis Ngannou, in my opinion. And I think um, as far as the lawsuit and everything else going on, This is, in my opinion, why fighters need to be classified as what they are, which is independent contractors, the same way boxers are. Because if that was the case, if the class action suit changes house and we end up with that kind of world, this is the storylines we will see. There won't be moments where fighters have to sell themselves short and say, you know what, Uh, maybe I'll continue to just be... um, uh, uh, a fucking boxer that's the society we live in right now because of how mma is structured long 20 plus years down the line things are going to get fragmented in my opinion if if this case works out the way um it's tending to lean right 
things are going to get fragmented and we could end up with moments like this in MMA where there's people vying for these high level champions, vying for these fighters. There's some intrigue to matchmaking across promotions. There's still some, a lot of that now, in my opinion, uh, risen is one of my favorite fight organizations just because what they're doing is so different. Right. But, um, to live in a world where we have a landscape where there's healthy competition, where fighters can get the fucking bag the same way Francis Ngannou just did in their own sport in MMA, uh, that's when I'll be happy as far as the progress of the sport. But until then, it really is a dog and pony show, and the UFC will continue to strong arm and profit over um, all these fighters, because they got no goddamn options on who they can fight and where they can fight to make themselves top level money. So they end up just settling in a world where um, the UFC is just openly admitting that they're only giving their fighters a very significantly low cut of their income yearly. Um, I can't wait for that shit to end. And I'm sorry I went on a passionate rant to shit on your point. But brother, no, uh, Francis Ngannou is an inspiration to me. And no matter what sport it is, MMA or boxing, I ain't down that man again. I'll say that. I ain't down that man again. <laughs> and uh, I hear you. And I love that, you know, we, we brought it all the way back to how we started the show. And that's it's kind of what the UFC has been. You know, it's been, like I said, a monopoly. And testing free agency is a problem. You know, UFC is at the highest of standards and where you want to be in MMA. And, and you're seeing Bellator starting to fall i know pfl I, I don't know if it's official pfl is buying bellator but you're seeing or other organizations falling you know it just makes the ufc even bigger of of an entity of what fighters are begging for and it's like the second you get there the ufc knows that they own you now they have all the power what are you gonna do oh you oh you really gonna argue with us good luck in pfl like and you know who, and i know ufc sits there and goes pfl is gonna fall and it, it could but i think this is PFL has a lot of hype around it right now. It's signing, you know, YouTubers and Jake Paul. It's signing Francis Ngannou. It's allowing fighters to be more free and allow them to do what they want. It's giving opponents more fight, better fighter pay. It's it's definitely doing the right thing. And now that Saudi Arabia is backing it, I know it's got to make UFC and Dana White sweat a little bit. But, you know, it rounds it all the way back to how we started the show with how what this lawsuit's all about and getting denied and now we're going to court we're going to see how everything really plays out we're going to open this sealed envelope for the first time and you know i think for the first time the ufc i said it before but we'll have a little bit of egg on its face where we're really going to see how this shit opens up and uh that's what i'm really looking forward to seeing i'm really looking forward to seeing how the ufc plays dirty in, in all this and finally being exposed because as much as I love the UFC and I will watch the UFC for the rest of my life, I know I'm not an idiot to know how much the UFC owns these fighters. And I don't mean that in, in a derogatory way or even in, in a terrible way. I'm just saying how they know that they control them. They, oh, like, you want this? Too bad. Like, you don't have anything to stand on here. And the contracts that they throw in and the lawyer talk that goes into the contract can completely fuck you. So... I think that that plays a humongous part, and you could say pause all you want. I know you. I was waiting. No, for no, you to that it, wasn't a pause but... moment. I just love the vindication because usually we don't get curses out of Sean. I noticed. <laughs> I try not to curse because I, I, when you're used to podcasting, you're used to making it a clean show. So, but yeah, it's the UFC. This is MMA, so you know we curse on here. It's all good, but it's it's. I I hope, I hope 
that the UFC gets exposed a little bit here, but not to the point where it ruins the UFC. I just hope that, you know, it doesn't get to the point where, you know, all these fighters are trying to jump ship the second they become free agents. I hope it's something that the UFC can take in on this, you know, and, and try to fix themselves. You know, it it's not shocking to see how much USADA and their relationship has fallen. You know, it seems like... UFC has been part of a lot of conversations around this, and I don't mean to just bring USADA up randomly. I just feel like all this is coming out, all this, all this headlines and all this stuff coming out just happens to be at the perfect timing, and I don't think that's a coincidence. So I am curious to see how this whole thing plays out. I really hope it works out for, for the fighters here, and at least some positive change does occur because it's very much needed. Hey, man, I love that you brought me in this direction and I will make you stop me short because I will go on another 20 minute rant. But I love that you mentioned that USADA connection at this point, particularly because there was another significant lawsuit that played out where Mark Hunt was suing the UFC for that whole issue with Brock Lesnar. And that was an L for the side of the MMA folks. The UFC won that lawsuit. And what I am curious to see moving forward, if whether or not winning that lawsuit makes them emboldened to allow Conor McGregor to fight before this six-month clearance window um, that they claim they're going to continue to adhere to once they're done with USADA, if they end up deciding not to for whatever reason, um, I think you've got your answer as to why, because legally they've already shown themselves to not be liable. So why would they have that issue? So that's another thing to consider, and I love that you brought that connection. Uh, we could we could continue to make the stars align on the board, uh, but goddamn. Uh, I gave you the alley-oop. Yeah, they gave me the alley-oop there. Uh, but uh, that was an L for the people of MMA and hopefully looking forward to a big W. Sean, this was a special episode, man. I hope you had for as sure. much fun as I did. And if you're here with us still now, um, I'm sure you did too. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following the brand at OTS Media Co. on YouTube and OTS Media on all other social media platforms. So you can stay tuned in to everything we've got going on on the show. But until we all reconnect again, Sean, why don't you let the people know where they can find you? Oh, all I'm thinking about right now is how much I regret that trade, but <laughs> that's all right. Please them on air, baby. It's for Dynasty. It's for the Bonfim brothers. That's what it's all about. Um, You can find me at SeanNegron26 on Twitter and bsreports.org, where Chris will be making his debut shortly, hopefully, as we are now in November. Uh, and Fuck, hopefully man. we will. <laughs> Hopefully, we will uh, see you guys there. We'll see Chris there. And uh, I got to put some more articles out there as well. I have a bunch of writers who are keeping it afloat and, and we're doing really well. But, you know, anything you need help podcasting, writing, anything sports media related, shoot me a, shoot me a message and I will help out any way I can. You heard the man. Take them up on it, god damn it. And I need to fucking do the same thing. Please don't don't kill me. Um, I hate that this is an ongoing bit at this point, and it really makes me look bad, god damn it. But we'll lean into it because I love the folks at home and I really believe in what the platform you're creating and what it does for everyone involved. So once again, you'll catch me there soon, I promise. For now, you can catch me at Negron MMA on Twitter. TikTok, all the good stuff, as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, folks, just remember, getting arrested for reckless driving 
two weeks out from a UFC main event is the base for knockouts and contention in the UFC heavyweight division. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.